This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by Neighbourly, the leader in home services franchising. Neighbourly is the world's largest home services franchisor with 29 brands and nearly 5,000 franchises, collectively serving more than 10 million customers in nine countries. With opportunities focused on repairing, maintaining and enhancing homes and businesses. Visit franchise.neighbourlybrands.com to learn more about the group's franchise opportunities. Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, bringing you insightful conversations with the experts of this industry. I'm Kieran McLoon, editor for Global Franchise Magazine. We've always had a challenge with staffing and retention just in the industry it's always been a challenge but this time it's deeper uh and it's 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 rooted in some may say politics uh, the economy and different things that are going on right now but it is definitely a crisis and we have to do things a little bit differently than we've done in the past to, to retain really good people The QSR industry is one that we've covered in extensive detail throughout the duration of this podcast and will no doubt continue to do so well into 2022 as restaurants recover from a global pandemic and evolve in order to suit an entirely new generation of consumer. Two individuals who know this all too well are Sam Rothschild, COO of Slim Chickens, and Lewis Campbelletta, Vice President of Auxiliary Services at Liberty University. The pair initially met back in 2000 when working at Tony Roma's and have since developed a strong collaborative partnership while working at their respective organisations. Mentorship is undoubtedly a valuable and often underrated pillar of growth, so we wanted to speak with Sam and Lewis about how their mutual support and guidance elevated their respective roles. With both guests also being deeply entrenched in the food and beverage industry, we also use this opportunity to talk trends, analysis and predictions for this unstoppable category in 2022. Will this be a year of unforeseen growth, or will brands still need to ensure they remain vigilant against change and challenges? Stay tuned to find out. I thought we'd begin by kind of contextualizing the conversation slightly. So if each of you wouldn't mind walking me through your kind of respective journeys within the QSR industry um, that have led you to the positions that you're in now. Um, Sam, if you wouldn't mind starting off on that one. Well, my my journey uh, really started in full service casual dining, and I was in various leadership roles uh, for decades and uh, nine years ago. Uh, I met my partners here at Slim Chickens, uh, was asked to come in for a one-day consultation through one of our partners that I'd worked through with uh, in the early 2000s. Not to go into too long of a story about it, I came in for a one-day consultation and I never left. Um, the, the brand was fantastic. My partners were great. And I really looked at the opportunity to join a startup organization uh, that really has some vision to grow. So I joined my partners and it's uh, now been a nine-year journey. And that's really how I got into the QSR segment. And the other thought process around that, as we were looking at the industry, we saw a significant shift in, in the U.S. around people moving away from traditional casual dining into this fast casual setting. And the consumer really 
want to control their time. They want control of their environment. They want a better quality food uh, and not too much more of a, a spend than casual uh, or, or quick serve. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that um, kind of background. And, uh, and Lewis, yourself now as VP of Auxiliary Services at Liberty University, how did you get to that point? Similar to Sam, uh, I spent most of my time in casual dining. I actually started in QSR, though. I started at Taco Bell and uh, worked there for about uh, six, six to eight months when they were getting ready to promote me to general manager and give me my own store. At that point, I didn't didn't really feel like that was the the, the route I wanted to take. And my wife was a waitress at uh, Tony Roma's at the time. And she took my resume in and said, hey, my husband's looking for a management position. And one thing led to another. I got hired as an assistant manager with Tony Roma's, which took me into the casual theme restaurant segment and uh, actually where I eventually met Sam. And so I worked there for about 12 years and several different positions. Um, by the time I left there, I was vice president of operations for basically the whole United States. Met Sam about, oh, I guess seven or eight years into my journey at, uh, at Tony Roma's when Sam came on. And then after that, uh, actually followed Sam again to Applebee's. Uh, and that's where we worked together uh, again for about 10 years uh, in the Applebee's brand, uh, where uh, I was vice president of operations for that brand as well, mostly in the Virginia market where I am today. And then we got purchased by a franchise group and um, things started to kind of go sideways, very similar to, to Sam's point about how things were starting to shift from, you know, casual restaurants to quick service, you know, casual quick service. Um, so uh, at that point, I left Applebee's and, and joined uh, the university food service industry, which for me was a pretty big leap because it's nothing... Uh, nothing like anything I had done before. And the president of the university really kind of took a chance on me, uh, which I really appreciated. And um, kind of the rest is history. I've been here for almost eight years now and um, was able to really kind of learn uh, the business. I mean, food is food and people are people. So I had, I had those two things going for me. Um, but learning, learning how the industry works at this level uh, took me about six, six, eight months. And um, boy, I couldn't be happier. I, I think I told Sam a while ago, I wish I would have done this 20 years ago. Because <laughs> um, it's, you know, Applebee's was taking years off my life and and Liberty's putting them back on. So yeah, well, that's really great to hear. And um, as you kind of touched upon there, um, Lewis, it's interesting to hear about your guys's journeys and how they uh, are quite unique, really, but have those specific moments of crossover, which is something that we're kind of talking about today, that mentorship and professional relationship. Um, Sam, as uh, Lewis mentioned there, the, the few instances in which you two worked at similar organizations, I was just curious to get your take. How would you say your professional relationship with Lewis began? And I suppose more significantly, how has it evolved in the two decades since then um it, you know for for lewis and i it became personal as well as professional really quick uh, almost immediately as we met each other i met lewis uh, i took over uh the chief operating officer role for a concept called tony romas 
And shortly after uh, I took over the position, I went out into uh, the field. We had restaurants in multiple states in the U.S. And uh, Lewis was based in Florida and um, quickly uh, identified we needed a leadership change uh, in, in that market in, in the southeast and, and actually on the east, uh, east coast of, of the country. And it literally, uh, within a day of meeting Lewis, and this is very uh, unusual for me uh, to do this, but a- after meeting uh, with him for a day, I offered him the job of vice president of operations uh, for the East Coast. And that really, for me, Lewis's passion and integrity uh, and ability to run restaurants and gather people around him who just were so bought into his philosophy and his operations, it was a natural for me to to give Lewis this role at the same time to have somebody to work with that you know personally. And it then it, it didn't become a some kind of boss subordinate you know type of relationship. It became a, immediately became a partnership, and we we just knew that we had jobs to do together. But we always had each other uh, first and foremost uh, in our uh, friendship and our families because we just had a mission and job to do. And I, I can't say that about many people in my career. Uh, that you meet like that, where immediately there's just sense of of strength, bond, and loyalty that, you know, to, to this day, and I think that's part of where we're at, even though Lewis and I separated a few times during our career, we, we always came back together. And, you know, it's one of those things where you might not talk to somebody for a year or so because time clicks by, but then when you get a text or we make a phone call, it's like talking to your your brother that you haven't talked to in a little while, and you immediately um, just feel great about the time that you're you're together. And yeah, that's really nice to hear. And I imagine uh, Lewis, that must be quite nice to have you know so many compliments thrown your way. Um, I was curious as well from your point of view, Lewis, to get kind of your view on the uh, some of the, some of the benefits you think there have been with having such a, a well established. Uh, mentorship or friendship or whatever you'd like to call it as you progress throughout your career in the industry? Sure. Well, the way Sam described it is, 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 is perfect. It was instantaneous. You know, sometimes you meet people uh, as you're going through life and you just, there's just something there that you can't really describe or, or put it into words, but we both felt it. I certainly didn't expect to get promoted that week, but I certainly knew that after meeting Sam, that this was the place I wanted to continue my career and certainly work for somebody like him. Uh, and that was instantaneous. And, you know, now it's just one of those things where we, we've developed such a trust and friendship that from a mentorship standpoint, I know that he's always going to tell me like it is. You know, we don't sugarcoat things with each other. And I know if I'm making a business decision or if, if I'm even even a personal life decision and I pick up the phone and call Sam, I know he's going to have my best interest at heart. He's going to give me the advice that he would give his own son. And I believe that with all my heart. And so every time that I've made a career change, I've picked up the phone and called Sam and asked his advice about what, what do you think about this move? And, and every time it's been you know great advice, it's been trustworthy. And our friendship just goes way beyond business. You know, We talk about our kids, we talk about our wives, we talk about 
the economy and all kinds of crazy things. And it's just, it's a bond that, you know, if we both retired tomorrow, um, we would stay in touch with each other and, and, and want to know how each other's families were doing. We have gone periods of time where we, we haven't been in touch, but he's always in my thoughts. Like I know I'm in his. And when we do get that time driving home from work on a Friday night, we pick up the phone and, and, and reach out to each other. And it's, it's just been a great relationship. And uh, his, his friendship and mentorship has meant more to me than he'll ever, ever really know. Yeah, it's really great to hear. I mean, it's a side of the industry that maybe people don't talk about as much, you know, it is always very business focused and rightly so for a lot of the time. But, you know, you do need that um, kind of friendship, mentorship and just sense of community, I suppose, to uh, to really succeed in this industry. Um, so how has that um, kind of professional relationship between the two of you, um, you know, reached the point you are at today? Um, how has that evolved to the point where you can kind of bounce those ideas off each other and rely on each other for mutual support, Sam? Lewis um, actually uh, did me a huge favor, uh, and he brought uh, Slim Chickens to Liberty University, where he's running all these, uh, um, these these restaurants and other ancillary services. And he was actually at a trade show and uh, met up with my vice president of franchise development uh, and was looking at Slim Chickens, knew that um, I was involved with the brand. He went to uh, the booth. He asked uh, Jackie Lubdell, who works with me, do you know Sam Rothschild? And um, as soon as he asked that question, I called Jackie and she looked down at her phone and she said, he's on the phone. So she handed Lewis the phone and he picked up and he said one of the normal greetings that we give each other when we're on the phone. (laughs) And I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm at your booth. Uh, And obviously we then... uh, he said he was very interested in looking at the brand and possibly bring it to the university, which university feeding for us is, is a new uh, avenue for us to, uh, uh, to uh, serve uh, guests uh, around the country. And he, he was a champion of the brand. He was able to get uh, Slim Chickens on the university. So again, the world brought us back together. And uh, instead of, me kind of pulling Lewis into a brand that I was leading or working with, he turned around and returned the favor and he gave us an opportunity on his university. And now we're working together again. And it, it just tells you how fate and, and uh, you know, how connected you are in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it seems like that was a, you know, a really positive coincidence for the both of you. And uh, hopefully we'll pan out for the long run with more developments throughout universities for Slim Chickens. Um, um, if we could talk a little, guys, about the the kind of QSR industry more specifically, um, a lot of people, you know, it's kind of the beginning of the year now, will be looking at the trends ahead, the challenges ahead, the roadblocks, the things they need to improve their brand to overcome them with. Um, and I wondered if I could get each of your perspective on some of the primary challenges that you think are facing QSR franchises today and uh, and whether you think enough work is being done to solve or rectify them either on the government level or just among the industry um, and if not what more could be done to to overcome those Lewis if we begin with you on that one well so the, the cool thing about being on a college campus is it's it's basically from a food service perspective it's like 30 QSRs all over, all over campus. Um, so even though I may not be a right. franchisee or necessarily in the QSR industry, uh, 
everything that I do on a daily basis involves the QSR industry because we have so many of them on campus. You know, I, I think the obvious answer right now from a challenge standpoint is staffing and retention. And that is not a secret to anybody that's turned on the news or or been to a restaurant or or has been somewhere in the country in the past six to nine months. And it's, you know, we, we've always had a challenge with um, staffing and retention just in the industry. It's always been a challenge, but this time it's deeper uh, and it's, it's, it's rooted in some may say politics, uh, the economy and different things that are going on right now, but it is definitely a crisis and we have to do things a little bit differently uh, than we've done in the past to retain uh, to, to retain really good people. A lot of people, I think, with the pandemic have moved out of the industry. Um, and I think that has to do a lot with the pandemic and, you know, some different things that have happened in the economy. But it, it's definitely a challenge for us on our campus to hire and retain good people. And I think it's going to be with us for a while. Um, I was curious to get your thoughts on why you think that the QSR industry remains a strong investment for maybe first-time franchisees who haven't considered it before. Because, of course, as Lewis mentioned, you know there are um, big challenges in the industry today. Why do you think that it's still worth jumping into? At least here uh, in the U.S., what's happened uh, since uh, COVID hit is there's been a significant shift with the consumer and how they're using restaurants. And the, the drive-through business, we have uh, curbside pickup where uh, people are using technology to order. Uh, the delivery business has been uh, very significant. Takeout business has very, been very significant. And then there are people who have come back to uh, eating and dining in the restaurants. And what we saw over the year, year and a half of COVID or longer, depending on where you were, uh, I, I believe the consumer has changed their habits in the way that they're using restaurants and the and the way that they're getting food and taking it home. They they just you know are used to eating at home now. So that has really benefited restaurants like ours because we have high quality food, uh, but it's easy for the customers to be able to to come in and use the restaurant and get their food and go. For restaurants like mine who have drive throughs uh, customers can pull up in their car, get their food, and leave. And then we've made these other conveniences where you can order on the app uh, that we have. You can tell us what time you're going to show up. You pull your car up. Somebody brings a, uh, your food to your car and you drive off. That is where QSR is very well positioned and, and fast casual. And the consumers have really gravitated to that. My peers in the industry have seen their business grow uh, exponentially over the last year and a half where some of the uh, full service restaurants were not benefits of that because they're so dependent on their dining rooms. So when you look at where the consumer is today, the quality of product that we sell, the different ways that food leaves the restaurant, uh, this fast casual QSR continues to be a very strong investment uh, for people, uh, not only today, but moving forward. The issues that Lewis brought up around labor is a significant issue in several ways. One, there is a shortage of labor. Two, we've seen wages rise. That's put a little pressure on our margin. 
And then the third bit of it, which I do think will come back in line at some point, which is this uh, pretty significant inflation in our cost of goods that have that we're buying today. Uh, a lot of production uh, for our product, our, our vendors are also having staffing issues and are, are not uh, producing at full capacity. So there's a lot of other factors that are going into it, but it has not slowed down our franchising. We had a record year last year uh, for franchise development. Um, we signed over uh, 300 restaurant, more restaurants for development with new franchisees. Uh, our business this year is continuing to go on that pace on franchise development. So I think entrepreneurs, as they look at what's going on in the food service industry, this fast casual QSR setting is very well positioned uh, in the mind of how the consumer is going to continue to use this segment and the quality of offering that we offer. Uh, it is really we've seen it pick up people's interest uh, who want to be in food service, who like this uh, segment of, of their business. So we're very, um, uh, very bullish. We're very excited about what we're doing. And I think we're right in the sweet spot where consumers want to be today and how they use restaurants. Yeah, no, it sounds like you guys have a lot of very exciting um, growth on the horizon, which is always positive, especially among a, a period of such challenge. Um, Lewis, if we continue the retrospective kind of tone that we uh, have covered on this episode, um, what would you say have been some of the, the biggest lessons that you personally have learned about working in the restaurant and food category um, over the duration of your career? Sure. I I would have to say the importance of relationships, uh, you know, whether I've been here at the university or in some of the other concepts that I've had the pleasure to work at, you know, the, the, the one constant uh, is, is the fact that building strong relationships with, with your consumers, as well as the people that work for you and with you is still the, no matter what happens with the economy, no matter what happens with our country, no matter what happens in, in individual environments, building relationships with the people around you uh, will be the most important thing moving forward. It's It's been that way uh, since I started in the industry, since Sam started in the industry, and, and, it, and it's just as important today uh, as it was back then. Uh, you know, you talk about having... Uh, staffing and retention issues. Well, one way to combat that is with great relationships. You know, people, when they enjoy working for you and they enjoy the environment that they're in, uh, they they tend to stick around longer and that that's not going to change no matter what happens here moving forward. So, uh, you know, one one of my greatest examples of of the importance of relationships and leadership comes from possibly the worst leader that I ever worked for. And, and Sam probably knows who I'm going to to talk about because he was uh, at Tony Roma's at the time Sam came on. But this gentleman was a dictator. He was sarcastic. He did not treat people with the respect that they should have been treated with. And, and I worked for this individual for five or six years and was able to just basically say to myself on a daily basis, if I just do exactly the opposite from a leadership standpoint of what this guy is showing, I'm going to be successful in whatever I do. And so, you know, sometimes working for someone like that can, can put your perspective, uh, in, in a different, in a different place. And, and for me, 
you know, that that's exactly what that did. It just taught me even more the the benefits to, to great leadership, treating people with respect and, and building strong relationships. And of course that, you know, that really took off once Sam came into my life and, 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 and showed me exactly how that works. Yeah, no, it's certainly, um, those interpersonal skills are something that we've, we've spoken to a lot of our guests about recently. And it thinks that will, you know, it seems that that will be a real, um, fundamental pillar of leadership in 2022. It's what people are looking for when they look for new jobs and it's what people expect now, I think out of, um, those corporate relationships. Um, Sam, my final question for you is just, um, what you think some of the key trends in QSR will be this year and whether you think that brands, um, within your, within your your space are ready for them or whether many operators maybe um, will be playing catch up over the course of the next 12 months the consumers are looking for high quality product consistently delivered whether in the restaurant or out of the restaurant by the restaurants that they serve the consumer wants convenience uh, at every step and they want to be able to get the product the way they want it and whether or not that's delivered or drive-through or in the dining room or, or takeout. They also want to be able to use technology. They really, at times, they don't want to have to deal with people. Uh, they want to be able to use their phone and order, or they want to be able to use their computer and order. In some instances, they want to just go in and use a kiosk. And they really want to be in control of their, of their situation and uh, they've just they're, they're now conditioned to do that. And restaurants who are not there yet uh, with the proper technology uh, to be able to provide the, uh, the guests that type of experience to interact with their restaurant, I think are going to I think they're going to suffer a little bit because customers are going to choose restaurants that offer those conveniences. Uh, and then there's other technologies that are either in the restaurants or in the drive-through that really help speed up the process when you're using these restaurants. Also, uh, you do have to have this level of hospitality uh, when you're dealing with the guests right now. They're very sensitive to the fact that if they're willing to spend their money uh, at your restaurant, with your location, they expect to be treated very, very well. COVID has put the employees in masks. <laughs> in some instances, has put the guests in masks. And I think at times it's put a level of stress on the restaurants, the employees, and the customer experience, where when they are interacting with you, they're looking for something a little more. And now that we see that in, in several instances, different states are doing different things here in different cities, now that the masks are off in many places, people are wanting that human interaction when they do come in contact with you and they want it to be authentic and they want it to be genuine. And they, they want to know that when they're spending their money with you, that it's appreciated um, and um, it's authentic because they do want to reconnect with people. So the challenges that I see um, facing people, the positive side is if you serve great quality food and you do a great consistent job and you give customers the access that they want to be able to get your product uh, in a very hospitable way, I think those are going to be positive trends for people, but they really have to look at, at what they're doing 
uh, within their organizations and with their restaurants and make sure that they're able to deliver on what I call the promise of what the guests really want when it comes to how they use the restaurant. Yeah, I think um, as kind of Lewis touched on there with the interpersonal skills, it seems like, you know, very similar thoughts from you, Sam, where it is all about that human connection and those relationships, whether that's between a customer and somebody who works at a Slim Chickens location or, um, you know, a couple of colleagues who work within the same organization. Um, And I think that's a, a really important note and a very strong note to end on. So thank you very much for joining us, both of you, and uh, look forward to hopefully speaking again soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you, guys. As shown by the enthusiasm of our two guests, having a professional relationship with somebody throughout the course of your career can be a real guiding light. As with all the best long-term friendships, you don't always need to be checking in with one another, but just having the ability to bounce ideas off of somebody can make difficult decisions seem more manageable. It was also really great to hear from Sam and Lewis about their thoughts on the current challenges facing QSR operations, and what they think the landscape could look like moving forward. Certain aspects like the inflation of goods will come in line again soon, but the staffing crisis is something that organisations need to navigate sooner rather than later. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. What do you think the biggest challenge facing restaurant franchises is and how can the industry overcome this? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, Subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.